Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the April 14th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. It feels like uh, it feels like a new era. The Masters are over. I mean, we just kind of finished the stretch, which is probably my favorite stretch of the sports betting calendar, uh, where it was uh, the Players' Championship in golf, and then you had March Madness and college basketball uh, conference tournaments as well, sandwiched in the middle, and then capped off with the Masters. Uh, It was one of those feelings where I woke up Monday morning kind of feeling like a little bit lost because the Masters were gone. We have to wait a full year till the next Masters. College basketball is over, kind of finally sank in, and that's done. Uh, So it's time to dive into some other sports here. Um, so on this episode of the podcast, I will have, of course, I'm not going to abandon PJ just because the Masters is over. I have the RBC Heritage. I got my breakdown of picks for that. Uh, and then we're going to switch over to baseball. I got two baseball picks on the show today. Uh, time for me to finally dive into my baseball handicapping. Uh, and I got one NHL pick for Wednesday night. And then I'm going to cap off with uh, a sport that I haven't handicapped ever on this podcast before, and I don't even know how many of you watch this sport or want to bet on this sport, but uh, I've become kind of obsessed with this sport over the past year, and that's Formula One. Uh, if you haven't already watched the Formula One series on Netflix, uh, what's it called? Drive to Survive, I think. Uh, you gotta watch it. I, I mean, I was not a racing fan of any kind, NASCAR, Formula One. I all thought it was stupid. I watched, started watching that uh, series on Netflix, and now I'm kind of hooked on Formula One. I watched the first race a couple of weeks ago, the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, and I'm hooked. And I bet on the first one. I enjoyed betting on the first race, so I got a couple of bets uh, for the second race of the season. That's this uh, Sunday. Assume it's Sunday. The Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Uh, It's in Italy, and I definitely mispronounced that. Shout out my guy, uh, Francesco Greco. Um, Regards from Italy. Uh, But yeah, so I got... uh, So yeah, PGA Tour, MLB, NHL, Formula One on this episode of the podcast. I'm excited to finally dive into Major League Baseball. Um, but yeah, that's what's going to be on uh, this week's show. Uh, last week, the Masters. Just a quick recap. I did pretty well. Now, my pre-tournament note right bets, I went 7-10 for down minus .85 units. I would have finished slightly in the positive if I didn't make a live bet on Webb Simpson after Friday, I think it was. Uh, then he had a bad round Saturday because, of course. Uh, but I crushed my three-ball and two-ball bets, two bets, my round-by-round bets, 11-4 for plus 9.24 units. With those, I swept both Friday 4-0 on the three-ball bets, and I swept Sunday, I think it was 4-0 as well, on two-ball bets. Uh, so congratulations to any any of you who tailed those. I mean, I got <laughs> tweets, people tweeting at me in a few DMs of people who parlayed my picks the two days. Uh, you guys are absolutely nuts for doing that, especially parlaying three-ball bets. I never go undefeated in three-ball bets. I went 4-0. and one, one of them was a, two, uh, a two-way win, so not quite as big of a payout. But uh, like some of you on Friday, you parlayed my uh, my three-ball bets and won like 500 bucks on, on like a $20 parlay or $25 parlay. I'm jealous. I wish I parlayed them as well. Um, but usually that's kind of stupid to parlay three-ball bets. Two-ball bets, I mean, if you want to parlay them, sure, but... 
I mean, three ball bets. Uh, ballsy, ballsy move, but congratulations to those who did. Uh, I hope I was able to help you all out with your Masters pool uh, with my in-depth breakdown of the Masters last week. I think I, I think I called the tournament fairly well. Um, I think I made a lot of calls that were accurate. Obviously, not a couple not so much. Uh, I mean, I, I went through like the top 20 players in the Ozils last week. When I got to Hideki Matsuyama, I said, can't putt, putt, don't bet on him. And that's pretty much all I said about <laughs> him. And then he went on to win the Masters. But I mean, with Hideki Matsuyama, it's, I've said this about him in the past. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. He just can't putt. That's always been his downfall. Um, so, I mean, I've always known if he can putt for a full weekend, for, for, for a full tournament, uh, he, I mean, he's the top five golfer in the world. Uh, and he proved that this past week. He finally putt well, uh, at least the first three rounds. He putt good enough on Sunday uh, to go on and win. Uh, but there was just no, like, there's not like there was any indication that he was going to putt well that tournament. He's 170th in strokes gained putting heading into the Masters. It's not like he was getting hot with his putter the weeks prior. So, uh, yes, I was wrong saying don't bet on Hideki Matsuyama. But like I said, there was no indication he was going to putt well. But he did, and if he went, if slash when he putts well for a tournament, he's probably going to win that tournament or at least finish top five. Uh, so I didn't have any Matsuyama bets, but uh, I mean, it's, it it was obviously fun to to watch him win. It was good to see him win. He's a likable guy. Uh, Japan won their for their first men, man to ever win a major, uh, which is good to see. Uh, and I think I tweeted this out um, Sunday night. It was good to see because for me and any Canadians who are listening to this as well, if you're a sports fan whatsoever, you remember the 2003 Masters uh, when Mike Weir won it. That was the first golf tournament I ever watched. I didn't watch the whole thing. I only watched Sunday, and and, and I remember on Sunday, um, my dad made our whole family watch it because Mike Weir was in contention and a Canadian had never won a major. So all four of us, my mom definitely didn't care about golf back then. My sister certainly didn't care about golf, didn't then, didn't now, or doesn't now, but uh, because we are Canadian and he, Mike Weir was in contention for, for a chance to be the first Canadian to ever win a major. We all sat down and watched that final round back in 2003 is the first time I ever really sat down and watched a golf tournament. So I know, uh, obviously in Japan, even though it was like seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, by the time the final round finished, I know there's a ton of kids in Japan, uh, watching the masters, watching golf for the first time because of, because of Hideki Matsuyama. So that's always a feel good story. Uh, great for Japanese golf, great for Asian golf in general. Good for Hideki Matsuyama. He's always been a likable guy, uh, and he's always just come up short a ton of times. So it's good to finally see him win a green jacket. So even though I didn't have any bets on him, I was happy to see it. Of course, I would have liked to see Xander Shoffley win, uh, and then he absolutely blew it, and he, he broke my heart again. I'm, I'm obsessed with betting on Xander Shoffley and him breaking my heart on Sunday. Uh, when was it earlier in the season? Did the Waste Management Open? Uh, and then, I mean... That double bogey in the front nine, he went bogey, bogey, double bogey. I thought he was out. And then he came all the way back, came within two, and then triple bogeyed six or uh, 16 and then lost by three. The fucker. Um, but I told you guys not to bet on Dustin Johnson. He missed the cut. I told you not to bet on Bryson DeChambeau. He didn't play well. I told you not to bet on Roy McIlroy. He missed the cut. Uh, I wish I was ballsy enough to take Roy to miss the cut because I looked at that bet long and hard and it was like four to one. Um, I didn't end up betting on it though. I wish I did, but whatever. I think I was. I think I hit the nail on the head when I said most of the guys who weren't going to do well weren't going to do well. Two of my two of my three top twenty bets hit. Brian Harmon top twenty, 
two to one. Corey Connors top twenty plus one ninety. Shout out the Canadian. We, I mean, we had another Canadian contention on Sunday. Unfortunately, he was in contention on Sunday for about three holes, and then he kind of dropped, fell off. But uh, at least there is hope heading into Sunday that we'd see another Canadian. But I hit both those top twenty. I missed Max Homa top twenty. I think he missed the cut by a stroke. Um, but two of the three top 20 bets hitting, I'm happy with that. Uh, the one the one guy I was way off was Sung Jae Im. I had him a pick to win. Um, he was looking good throughout the first round, and then he quadruple bogeyed a hole. Like, he got a nine on a par five. Uh, what was it, hole 13 or whatever it was. Um, he got a quadruple bogey and then just never recovered and had a bad second round as well. So that was my one bad bet. Um, Francesco Molinari, I had him to miss the cut. He made the cut by a stroke. Matthew Wolf, I had him to miss the cut. He missed the cut by a mile. That was an easy win. Hole in one, minus 175 was an easy win. I thought I'd have to wait till Sunday. Uh, and there wasn't even a hole in one on Sunday. The first one was Thursday, and then Corey Connors got one on Saturday. Um, Bernard Langer, top senior. He was looking decent heading into the second round, and then he um, had a bad second round. Uh, Othobble. Jose Maria Othabal from Spain would have won that bet, which would have been a, a sweet payout for that. Webb Simpson bogey free round of four to one. I think that was looking back. I think that was kind of a dumb bet. Uh, did anyone other than Matsuyama have a bogey free round? If there was, maybe one other guy. Uh, it played tough. Uh, Augusta Augusta played tough this past week. Um, Matsuyama almost blew my winning score to be under two seventy eight and a half. Uh, thankfully, kind of came in right at the number there. Lowest round, that hit the first day as well uh, with uh, Justin Rose going 7-under. Uh, and then, like I said, I'm not going to go through all the three-ball and two-ball bets, but I did very, very well with those. So hopefully, I can keep that success up this week with the RBC Heritage. Uh, personal news. I tweeted this out uh, a couple nights ago. This crushed me. I was at the gym. Not to humble brag that I was at the gym, but I'm, I've been going to the gym. I'm trying to get fucking sexy. Becoming the uh, sex symbol of the sports betting world, you know, I thought it'd be a lot easier than this. Uh, I, I damn near torture myself going to the gym and eating healthy for like three weeks. I lose 10 pounds and then I fucking smell a pizza and I gain five pounds again. And then I go hard again for a few weeks and I lose, you know, five pounds and then I... Sp- just watch someone walk by me with a pack of donuts. I don't even need to eat a donut. I just see a six pack of donuts and my body gains another five pounds. But I mean, I'm slowly but surely losing weight because I'm trying to become the sex symbol of the sports betting world, people. I need to post thirst traps this summer. But the reason why I brought this up, I was at the gym. And there's a, a, a just an absolute cutie that works at the gym. I, I love her. I'm in love with her. And I signed in, you know, I don't know, I assume your guys' gyms works a similar thing, way you swipe a card or scan a card in order to get in at the start to sign in. And, of course, we're wearing masks because of fucking COVID. And she, and I hear her go, ice. And I go, excuse me, sorry, what? And she goes, ice. And I did that thing where, I mean, you know when you when you say what to someone and then this, they repeat themselves and you still don't know what they say? And then at that point, you have to kind of make a business decision. Do you ask them what they said a second time and then make it kind of awkward? Or do you just hope that they didn't say anything important and just kind of nod and then just keep on going? So that's what I ended up doing. I just kind of like nodded and then just walked to the locker room. And then I thought for the next minute, I was like, what was she saying? Saying something about ice? Is that what she was saying? What was she saying? And then it finally clicked in what she was saying to me. And she was saying, oh, your new haircut looks nice. She fucking complimented me. And here I am, like an idiot, 
acting like a dick. I was just, <laughs> I barely reacted. I just nodded my head and kept walking. She was probably like, oh, what an asshole. I just complimented his haircut. And this guy just barely acknowledges me and just walks to the locker room. So there was my chance. Uh, there was my chance with the cutie that works at the gym. I fucking blew it. God damn. Not good, Ian. Not a good look. So, I, I mean, I didn't, I, what do I do at that point? Do I go up to her afterwards and be like, oh, by the way, I think you complimented my haircut earlier. I just wanted to say thank you and that I love you. Is that what I should have done? <laughs> oh, tough, man. Tough break for me. Fucking masks. Fucking COVID. The biggest downfall of COVID for the past 14 months is the fact that I didn't understand a cute girl complimenting my haircut. That's the number one victim of this entire pandemic. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into the podcast. Um, big news for next week. Um, I'm going to have my first sponsor on this podcast. I'm very, very excited for it. I was hoping that it was going to be completely locked in and it'd have all the details for this episode. Uh, but unfortunately, I uh, couldn't get it finalized uh, just quite yet. Probably going to end up getting finalized tomorrow, but that'll mean... Next week's episode of the podcast will be the first officially sponsored episode of the podcast, so I'm very, very excited for that. We're moving up in the world, baby! My neighbors are going to hate me for yelling so much. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate it if you have a few seconds, review it if you have a few more seconds. Um, donation link is in the description if you feel like donating. Maybe I helped you win a master's pool. Um, maybe I helped you win, uh, I know your two ball, three ball bets throughout the week. I don't know. Don't donate it if you don't feel like it. Uh, maybe just wait until next week, see what the sponsor is and then help and then help me out that way. I'm very, very excited to announce that sponsor. Um, like I said, it's all locked in. Uh, the agreement's been made. Uh, I just, I mean, what it is, I don't have the promo code. The promo code hasn't been set in stone yet. So hopefully I'll have that for next week's episode, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the April 14th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 All right, we're going to start with my PJ Tour betting preview as I usually do. It is the RBC Heritage. Where is it? South Carolina? Harbortown Golf Links. Uh, this is a little bit of a, of a fun event. It's kind of the complete opposite of the Masters where this one's a little bit more informal. They have a little bit of fun with it. Um, and it's actually a pretty decent field this year. Uh, but I will note, if you're looking for a long shot, this could be the tournament. Obviously, last year, Webb Simpson won it. I think he might have been the favorite. If not, he was... I mean, almost definitely top three, top four on the odds list. But uh, two years ago, C.T. Pan won this event, and he was at 125 to 1. And then three years ago, in 2018, Satoshi Kodera, and I'm sure I mispronounced pronounced that, won this event at 250 to 1. Um, but like I said, I think it's a little bit of a stronger field this year than what it usually is. Um, so maybe not a long shot, but I do have a couple long shot bets um, locked in. But it is a par 71 course measuring just over 7,000 yards. The big key thing to keep in mind that you have to know for the, for the, for the RBC Heritage at Harbortown is that the greens are tiny. Second smallest greens on the PGA Tour. So this is definitely, definitely, definitely 
a ball strikers course. This is not a long hitters course. Dustin Johnson is competing in this event as he usually does because he's an RBC ambassador. Bryson DeChambeau is competing in this event, um, which is actually kind of surprising as well. I would stay away from both those guys because long hitters, you can't really hit long here. There's no dog legs that you can cut off. Uh, hitting it long doesn't really give you too big of an advantage. I think dry, out of all the courses on PGA Tour where driving distance isn't an advantage, this might be the one. So I'll tell you right off the bat, don't like Dustin Johnson, especially how he played last week. Don't like Bryson DeChambeau. You want to look for accurate hitters. Accurate hitters, especially guys who are good with their irons approaching the green. And you may want to look at guys who are good around the greens as well. Because obviously if there are small greens, you're going to miss it every now and then. And getting up and down and saving par is going to be absolutely key. Uh, other fun fact, Luke Donald, for some reason, plays really well at this course. Six top five finishes here since 2010. Uh, now, I don't think he has, though, in the past couple years, to be fair. I I, I mean, I, I'm not going to bet on him outright, obviously, because, I mean, he's getting older now. He hasn't. But for some reason, Luke Donald loves this course. It might be an interesting play in some three-ball spots. I don't know what his group is, to be honest. Um, but I might look at Luke Donald little three-ball three ball plays on Thursday and Friday. So keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. If he's in a group, I think he can win, given the odds. Uh, if his odds have value, I'll play him just almost solely based on how well he's performed here in the past. Like I said, six top five finishes since 2010. So that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Other interesting thing to note is don't chase people who did well at the Masters. This, When you kind of look at the guys who finished uh, high on the leaderboard here at the RBC Heritage and compare how they've done at the Masters the week before, there's not really a correlation between guys who play well at the Masters and play well at RBC Heritage. In fact, a lot of the time... The guys who play well at RBC Heritage either didn't compete in the Masters a week before or they missed the cut at the Masters. Or if they didn't make the cut, they kind of weren't in contention whatsoever. So usually I would say recent form is important, but in this case, I think, I mean, this is one of those arbitrary things that you can't really back up with stats, but I think the emotional, the emotional and psychological kind of fatigue that you might get from playing at the Masters and being in contention on Sunday. I think that kind of maybe mentally tires you out a little bit heading uh, into the RBC Heritage. So I actually think not competing on the weekend at the Masters last week actually is kind of a little bit of an advantage. Um, at least the results of past years kind of indicate that. Um, but I'm not putting too, too much value behind that because like I said, that's one of those arbitrary things. It's hard to measure psychological states and and kind of how that plays into it um so key stats five key stats as i always point out driving accuracy number one um greens and regulation number two i'm i'm ranking these but this is not a ranking as far as importance goes um driving accuracy greens and regulation strokes gained approach to the green so that, i mean there's two approach stats obviously with the greens being the second small screens on tour approach play is going to be very key so we're doing greens and regulation and strokes gained approach to green and then strokes gained around the green. I've already explained smaller greens. Guys are going to miss the greens. Getting up and down and saving uh, par is going to be important. And then strokes gained putting, of course, we want to look at that every week. So the distance, driving distance, I'm basically taking that completely off the board. I don't think it's important whatsoever here at Harbortown. It's all about accuracy here. So let's get to my first pick. Now, to be before I get to my first pick, I kind of wanted to take Webb Simpson. He's second on the odds list, but 
um, just because he won last year. I could see him winning this event back to back. Back kind of fits his style perfectly. But there's one guy who's right behind him on the odds list that I like a little bit more, and that's Patrick Cantlay. Now, I did not bet bet on him at the Masters. I'm glad I didn't. He shot terrible. He, he missed the cut. But like I said, if kind of history repeats itself, guys who miss the cut of the Masters actually end up playing well at RBC Heritage. And heading into the tournament, he leads the field in average strokes gained per round at Harbortown at plus 2.55. So in average strokes gained on the field per round, he has the best history at Harbortown. And it kind of makes sense. He's competed here three times and he's finished third, seventh, and third. Did not play here in 2020, but... The three years he competed here before that, third, seventh, and third. So he hasn't got a win, but, I mean, two-thirds and a seventh is very, very, very good. So, And it makes sense because this style, of course, fits his style of play very well. 28th in greens and regulation, 48th in strokes gained approaching green, 7th in strokes gained around the green, one of the best scramblers on tour. Uh, so Patrick Cantlay, 18-1, to a little bit of a risky pick based on how we how we played last week, but I think how he played last week is actually going to giving us more value than what we normally would on him. So I'll take Patrick Cantlay, 18-1. to 1. He is my outright pick. I'm not doing anything else with him, not doing top 10 or top 20. Just Patrick Cantlay, 18-1. to 1. And then I'm going way down on the odds list for the next one. Patrick Cantlay is the only one even close to the top that I'm betting on. Although I will say there are some other guys that I like. Um, but I think there's some value um, on a guy that's a little bit further down the odds list. So I guess before I get him, let me quickly go through some of the top guys. Just two seconds each. I'm not going to go in depth like I did in the Masters. Um, just bringing up the list here, Dustin Johnson, I said, stay away. He's been in terrible form. Didn't play well last week. Webb Simpson, if you want to take him to repeat his champion, I don't hate it at 14 to one. Morikawa, great ball striker. Of course he could win it at 19 to one. Berger. Yup. He's played well here in the past 22 to one. Terrell Hatton hasn't played well recently. Don't trust him at 25 to one. Gotta love Will Zalatoris at 25 to one. If, if, if he can get decent with his flat stick, he could win. I like Matt Fitzpatrick, 28 to one. Don't like Cameron Smith. Don't like Paul Casey. Don't hate answer at 33 to 1. Harmon 35 to 1. I don't think there's a lot of value there. My guy Corey Connors 35 to 1. That might not be a terrible play. I mean, really, uh, I think the odds are set right for a lot of the guys here at the top of the odds list. Any of these guys could win. Uh, the one I chose out of the pack was Patrick Cantley, but really the only ones that if you told me you were betting on that I would say, ooh, I don't think that's a great bet. Dustin Johnson, at the favorite at 12 to 1. I don't think that's a great bet. Um, I don't love Terrell Hatton at 25 to one. I don't love Cameron Smith at 30 to one. I don't like Paul Casey at 30 to one. I don't like Brian Harmon at 35 to one. All the other golfers in that kind of top 10 on the odds list, though, you could bet on it, and I, it, it'd be hard for me to argue against. Um, but my next pick, going way down on the odds list here, going down to a guy who's at 66 to one, and this is a guy by the name of Chris Kirk. He's my second pick, 66-1. to He wasn't in the field in the Masters. He didn't compete at the Masters. But the week before the Masters, he finished T6 at the Valero Texas Open. And at the Arnold Palmer Invitational a few weeks before that, he finished T8. So Chris Kirk has been in great form recently, and his style fits the course to perfection. 64th in driving accuracy, 41st in greens and regulation, 38th in strokes gained approach to the green, 17th in strokes gained around the green. Now, his one weakness where you look at season-long stats is his putting because he ranks 103rd in strokes gained putting, but but he actually led the field in strokes gained putting at Valero Texas Open. So the, his one weakness is where he kind of shined in Texas. So if he can keep that flat stick rolling, 
I think he could be a contender here at 66 to 1. I think there's value at that price. I am going to sprinkle a little bit on him to win, and I'm also going to take him to finish in the top 10 at plus 300. And then I got a third pick. This guy's completely off the board here. I'm only going to take him top 20, and that's Matthew Neesmith. Is it Neesmith or Naismith? I always get that confused, but he's 110 to 1 to win. If you're looking for um, an uber long shot to put two bucks on, or if you're Canadian, put a toonie on it. Uh, then yeah, I guess it, it, you can't go wrong, but I'm only going to bet on him to finish top 20, and that's at 4-1. to one. I think that's great value, and the reason why is because he is one of the best approach players on tour. Um, just one of those guys who's good everywhere until he gets to the green, and then his short game struggles quite a bit, and that's why he's only 110-1. to one. But on the course with the second smallest greens on tour, I'll take a shot on the guy who's literally the best golfer on tour and hitting greens. That's right. He is first on the PGA Tour in greens and regulation. So if you want to bet on a guy with long shot odds on a course that has a second smallest greens on tour, I mean, you can't go wrong with a guy who's quite literally ranks the best on tour and hitting the greens and regulation. First in greens and regulation, T 42nd in driving accuracy, eighth in strokes gained approaching the green, and then as I said, his game falls falls apart when he gets close to the green. Tied for 132nd strokes gained around the green, and then 167th in strokes gained putting. So that's why I'm not getting any more aggressive than top 20. I don't want to take him top 10, top 5, or top or to win. But I'll take a shot on him. I'll take a shot on the best uh, the best guy in hitting greens on tour at 4-1 to one to finish in the top 20. I think that's pretty decent value there. So, um, yeah, so there you go. Those are my picks for the RBC Heritage. Patrick Cantlay to win at 18 to 1. Chris Kirk, I'm going to sprinkle on him to win at 66 to 1. And I'm also going to take him top 10 at plus 300. And then Matthew Naismith, I think is how you pronounce it, top 20 at plus 400. Let's move over to, let's start off with hockey here. We'll start off with my one hockey pick, and then we'll get to Major League Baseball, and then we'll finish off with some Formula One. Uh, Ducks Sharks is where I'm looking at the late game on Wednesday night. And I'm looking at the total, and I'm going over 5.5. Now, I got it at minus 115. I don't know if the juice is going to change between now and tomorrow. Um, I mean, as long as it doesn't get this over to 6.5, I would still like the over. If it gets to 6, I mean, that's basically the same as 5.5, except there's just the option for the push. Uh, if it gets to 6.5, I, I wouldn't play it. But, I mean, I, I doubt a total. It'd be pretty rare for a total to move in a whole goal um, in the span of 24 hours. Um, but the over is just 15, 14, and 1 in the Sharks' last 30 games. But I think this is a spot that we're going to be able to take advantage on for the rest of the season. It's certainly one I'm going to be keeping an eye on game in and game out. Um, and the reason being, the Sharks, when you look at their stats, should line up for games involving a lot of goals. First, they are 3rd in the NHL in 5-on-5 high-danger scoring chances, and they're 27th in the NHL in 5-on-5 high-danger scoring chances against. So, I mean, you don't need to be a genius to figure out if you're getting a lot of high-danger scoring chances, uh, high-danger scoring opportunities, but also giving up a ton of high-danger scoring opportunities. I mean, goals are going to come. That's what hockey's all about. Uh, the Sharks also third last in team save percentage, which is also good for an over. Uh, they're around middle of the pack in shooting percentage. They're 17th in the NHL in shooting percentage, so it's not like they're a terrible shooting team either. And now they're facing a Ducks team that is third last and 5-on-5 high-danger scoring chances against, and 6th last in team save percentage. Obviously, with me handicapping this game a day out, I'm not positive who the starting goalies are, so I can't get into that. Uh, Let me just look up, just in case, for some reason, 
um, they're announced already. I mean, that would be pretty rare, but I'll look into it just in case. And I probably should have looked into this before uh, clicking record, to be completely honest. But it'd be pretty rare for the starting goalies to be announced a full day in advance. How are the Leafs doing tonight, anyways? Yeah, both uh, goalies unconfirmed. I mean, if it's John Gibson and Martin Jones, as a 2.9 goals against average and a 9.04 save percentage and a 3.14 goals against average with a .9 save percentage. Both are not good. Um, oh, and the Leafs lost in overtime to the Flames. Fuck. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Playing the parade route in Toronto, baby. We're winning the cup. Nick Felino added to the squad of the trade deadline. Leafs are going to be unbeatable in the playoffs. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, so Sharks, they get a lot of high danger scoring chances. They give up a lot of high danger scoring chances. They don't have good goaltending. And now they're facing a, a Ducks team that also gives up a ton of high danger scoring chances and also doesn't have very good goaltending. So uh, surprise that the total is at five and a half. I love the over. Uh, I think it's a great little recipe for an over. It's a late start, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. But if you want a late night sweat on Wednesday night, toss on some California hockey and root for some goals. Give me the Ducks, Sharks, over. Five and a half. Then we're moving on to Major League Baseball. Really my first handicapping of the 2021 MLB season. Um, to be fair, I did have I did have bets for opening day, but they they went poorly. And I mean, that's kind of what I expected the opening day. I mean, you're basing stuff off, what, the year before? <laughs> I think I went 0-4 with my opening day bets. But it would, like I said, it was the opening day. It's literally a coin flip. And now we have, what, 13 days of stats, so I at least have a little bit of stats to base it off of. And I'm not going to overthink my MLB bets right now at this point in the season. I'm not going to dive too deep into some advanced statistics because at the end of the day, it's we still only have less than two weeks of statistics to base this off of. So two picks I have for Wednesday night. Reds, Giants, taking Reds, minus 110. It's a pick em as of right now. I assume they're going to be a bigger favorite by the time you're listening to this tomorrow, but I jumped on at the minus 110. I would like them probably up until minus 135. I probably wouldn't go any longer or any shorter than that. But, I mean, this bet might fall, I mean, it might fall underneath the category of being too obvious because this seems like one of the, it seems Reds as a pick em. Reds are one of the best offenses in baseball right now. Arguably the best offense in baseball right now. They're going up against the Giants, who are one of the worst offenses in baseball right now. By the way, I tweeted this out. I was looking at Fangraphs, which is usually the site I use for my baseball stats, and the stats are all fucked. They don't line up with the stats on MLB.com, and it's showing like teams have played like 80 games this season. So I don't know what's going on with Fangraphs. I gotta I don't know, talk to Joe about it, see if he's having the same issue, or I, I don't know. Something's going on with Fangraphs, so... I started using the stats on MLB.com, and actually, they actually have a pretty good uh, stats section this year. I think they've improved their stats section a little bit. So, um, I hope MLB.com's uh, stats are accurate. I don't know what's going on with fan graphs. Someone else let me know if you're having the same issue, but they don't line up with the stats on MLB.com, and it's showing teams playing way more games than what they've actually played. But taking the Reds here, minus one, minus one ten against the Giants. Reds second bat- batting average this season, first in the majors in OPS. Giants are se- second last in batting average, fourth last in OPS. Seems like a no brainer. Giants are batting one ninety two. Reds are crushing it offensively right now. Uh, and then when you look at starting pitchers, you got Tyler. What's his? How do you pronounce that last name? Molly, Maley, Mall, Mal. I will never, I can hear, sometimes there's a name I could hear 100 times, I will still mispronounce it. 
the worst at names, the worst. Um, but he looked great in his first two st starts of the season, giving up just a combined two runs across nine innings pitched. Had a very solid season last year. He's just 26 years old. I expect him to take another step forward this season. And then he's going up against old man Johnny Cueto, who feels like he has been around <laughs> forever. Um, and he, to be fair, Johnny Cueto did look uh, pretty solid in his first start, but I mean, he had a 5.06 ERA in 2019, a 5.4 ERA last season. He's about 87 years old, so I don't expect him to just have a great season. Yes, he had a good first start, but I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna regress. He's not gonna pitch that well at this season. He's he's old. He's washed up. He's no good. Um, now the Giants do have a bit of a bullpen 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 advantage. Uh, so if you do want to go first five, I wouldn't blame you. I'm just gonna go full full game for the fun of it. Um, but yeah, I like Reds minus 110. Like I said, I'm not overthinking these games this early in the season. I'm not getting too deep into advanced analytics. Reds offense is just too good so far this season to not back them as a pick em against the Giants, whose offense is terrible. I'll take him as a minus 110. This is a little bit of an early start. It's 3.45 p.m. Eastern, so this game might have already started by the time you're listening to this podcast. If it has, I hope it's winning or I hope it's already won. Um, if not... I don't know, if you're listening to this after 3.45 p.m. Eastern, check the score, and maybe I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot. That's possible. It's happened before. It can happen again. Uh, and then the other MLB bet I have for a night game, Mariners-Orioles under 9.5. Now, I know, when you look at this pitching matchup, you think it's going to be an easy over bet. You got Justin Dunn against Matt Harvey. Two not good pitchers, to be fair. Everyone likes to fade Matt Harvey, uh, but I just don't think a total of 9.5 is justified with these offenses. Yes, neither pitcher is good. I understand that. They both have over an ERA of 5 so far this season. But both teams rank in the bottom half of the majors and most offensive categories as well. So uh, 9.5, it's not a, this is not a game at Coors Field. So... I understand the starting pitchers are not good, but I, I think I would need to see offenses better than this for me to bet on an over 9.5. Now, maybe once the Mariners finally call out my boy Jared Kelenic, and they better soon because I have a bet on him to win AL Rookie of the Year, uh, then maybe I'll be betting on overs once Jared Kelenic gets in their lineup and just starts hitting fucking bombs. But until then, I will take, uh, I'll lean towards uh, the unders in Mariners games. So they're 17th and 25th in OPS, 19th and 22nd in home runs. So like I said, ranking in the bottom half of the majors in offense. Also, their bullpens aren't terrible, 14th and 20th in ERA around average. So I mean, really their offenses are, are, are about the same as their bullpens. Uh, Mariners 10th in bullpen batting average, which is pretty decent. Once again, small sample size. I'm not going to overthink these bets early in the year. I just think this is an overreaction to the starting pitching matchup because, to be fair, it looks bad on paper. But I think 9.5 is just too many runs for these offenses. I'm going to take the under and hope for the best. Under in a Mariners-Orioles game is just not. <laughs> it's probably it's probably a masochistic bet to make. I can see that going to like the ninth and then getting like fucking eight runs score in the ninth and me crying myself to sleep that night. Uh, but no, I'll take the under nine and a half. So NHL darks, ducks, sharks over five and a half reds minus minus one ten against giants and the Mariners Orioles under nine and a half. And then let's get to the finale of the podcast. And there might be a good portion of you that are going to shut this off because you don't give a shit about formula one. And if you do, I don't blame you, but I love it. Watch drive to survive. Watch that series on Netflix and then come back to me. It's fucking great. 
So we, this Sunday, I believe, is the race because that's usually when F1 races are. If not, it's this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be Sunday. Um, Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. It's the Italian races. This is the, only the second edition of the race. So we only, only have a one-year sample size to kind of base this off of. So I got a few picks locked in. I mean, I, and by the way, disclaimer, I'm not a Formula One sharp. This is my first season really paying attention to Formula One. I did do some kind of handicapping. I have reasons for my picks, but they're not really in-depth. In depth. So tail these with caution. But I love betting on it. Betting's for entertainment primarily. That's what I always say. And there's a few spots that I like here. So with that kind of disclaimer out of the way, let's get into it. I'm going to take Lewis Hamilton to win at plus 125. He's a co-favorite with Max Verstappen. Um, Max Verstappen was a slight favorite in the Bahrain Grand Prix, the first race uh, of the year. Lewis, and he had first in the pole position. Lewis Hamilton passed him, and that was just kind of it. Um, and I think Lewis Hamilton kind of proved that he just had, he just, he has kind of that veteran knowledge that I think, I think Max Verstappen is an overall faster driver, but I think, I think Lewis Hamilton is just smarter. He's sneakier. And I think it's, I think it's tough to pass him. I think he plays very good defense once he gets the lead. And, I mean, Lewis Hamilton used to just be, like, minus money every single race to win. Um, now that Max Verstappen, now we're going to see a Max Verstappen-Lewis Hamilton kind of rivalry all year. But because there's that little bit of a rivalry, we're getting a lot better odds on Lewis Hamilton. So I'm just going to keep betting on him to win, I think, uh, while he's still plus money. Because I think he still does have a slight overall edge against Max Verstappen. So I'm going to take Lewis Hamilton to win plus 125. I'm going to take Max Verstappen fastest lap, though, at plus 135. So like I said, I think he is overall a faster driver. I had this bet locked in for the first uh, race of the year. And Max Verstappen had the fastest lap. Uh, and then Valtteri Bottas, Bottas just fucked me there at the end because he had third place locked in he wasn't going to lose third place um, but he had no chance of, of catching uh, Max Verstappen in second place so what they did and this is kind of something that I learned watching the first race is uh, fastest lap is worth a point for your team so if you don't have any risk of of losing a pole position or a, a position um what he did was he he did a, a a pit stop with like three laps to go put on the soft tires and then literally just try to get the fastest lap for that extra point for his team because there's no risk of him losing third spot he was that far ahead in third uh, and then he ended up getting fastest lap in like his second lap or, or last lap with those soft tires so i kind of that was kind of a bad beat for the fastest lap bet uh, but there was, I mean, a lot of circumstances led to him being able to do that. So I'm just going to take that bet again. Max Verstappen fastest lap at plus 135. And this is my lock of the race coming up next. My lock of the race, my favorite bet of the race is my guy, Danny Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo to finish in the top six at minus 150. Now, I almost took him to finish in the top three at plus 500, but that's ballsy, and I just think Mercedes and Red Bull are so far ahead of everyone else that you're basically going to have to need a crash or something weird to happen for anyone else to finish top three. But Daniel Ricciardo finished third here last year with Renault, which is a worse car than what he's driving now. He's on a better team now, better car, and he finished third here last year. To be fair, Max Verstappen didn't finish the race last year, so that's why Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo could get third place. Um, but I love him top six at minus 150. He clearly knows how to how, how to um, uh, how to drive on this track. Like I said, top three last year, even with Max out, very impressive because he was driving a shitty car last year. He's in a much better car this year. So for him to finish in the top six at minus 150, I absolutely love that bet. 
And then a couple of fun bets here at the end just to finish it off. First car to retire being a Haas at plus 275. First driver to retire, Nikita Mazepin at plus 500. Haas is an absolute joke. If you watch that Netflix series, Drive to Survive, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they're a bunch of wankers. As uh, Not their owner. The, the, what's the guy's name? The French guy that manages them. Uh, that's what he described them in the first season. Haas is a fucking shit show. Um, I had them, I had Haas to be the first car to retire. What was it? Three to one or five to one for the opening race. And that hit easy. Uh, Mazepin, I didn't bet this, but, uh, Ninja, Andrew Avery did have Mazepin. He was eight to one to be the first car to retire in the opening race. And he spun out and then was out of the race on the first turn. Like he's, he's an absolute bum. And the fact that he was 8-1 to one to be the first driver retired in the first race, and now he's already down to 5-1, to one, kind of shows you. I mean, this this guy stinks. This guy's the worst driver um, in Formula 1. Uh, so, I mean, him, him, him specifically to be the first car to retire at plus 500 is a gift. I'm also going to take just Haas to be the first car to retire at plus 275, so that means it'll either be uh, Mazepin or Schumacher. Uh, but Haas is just a shit show. Absolute shit show. They were a shit show in the first race. They've always been a shit show, or at least they have been for the past couple of years. Um, love those bets there if you're looking for a little bit of fun bets. And you can laugh when Mazepin doesn't even get past the first, first fucking turn. Five. If he if he's the first guy to to retire, that's a 5-1 to one win and a plus 275 win. And I'm telling you, this guy is a fucking bum. So there you go. Formula 1. Lewis Hamilton to win plus 125. Uh, Max Verstappen, fastest lap at plus 135. Danny Ricardo, top six at minus 150. Uh, and then first car to retire to be a Haas, plus 275. First drive to retire, Nikita Mazepin, plus 500. And those are my Formula One picks for this weekend's Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. There you go, friends. That's, uh, that's this week's episode of the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Um... I don't think I have anything else to say next uh, next week's episode uh, should be a sponsored episode. So I'm, I'm looking very, I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Very excited for that. Um, but until then, I love you all. Enjoy this week's sports. Best of luck with your bets. And I will talk to you all next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.